0: Been, we've been taking time to look at various types of psalms and uh, today's psalm, although it certainly can be classified as a psalm of lament, which is a certain kind of psalm that you see really all throughout the Psalter, uh, today's psalm is unique. It is something different because, to my knowledge, it's the only psalm that doesn't really have, doesn't really have resolution. As a matter of fact, there is no happy ending to be found in this psalm today, and I believe it's the only one like it. And so you might be asking, like, why are you going over this today, Eric? Well, it's not because I'm feeling like in a downer mood or anything like that. It's not, I promise. But it is to acknowledge the reality that this is also part of what it what it looks like to live in faith. Faith isn't just one sort of big, victorious, triumphant march. But in fact, faith covers the whole expanse of our life. It covers all of the experiences in our lives, both the triumphs and the victories and the great stuff, but also the really, really hard stuff. And I don't want to ignore that side of it. I don't want to pretend, as I think too often the church... uh, can fall into the trap of doing. I don't wanna pretend like everything is just fine all the time. I want to go to the scripture that shows all of our experiences so that when we don't even have the energy to sort of plaster on the fake smile, there's even a word for that time too. And so with that being said, I wanna read Psalm 88. I'm just gonna read it in its entirety and then I'm just gonna give a few comments um, as, as we work through it, okay? So Psalm 88, it reads like this. "O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. That's the place of the dead. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me, you have made me a whore to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? It's another name for the place of the dead. Are your wonders known in the darkness? For your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your tears. I am helpless. Your wrath is swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me they surround me like a flood all day long they close in on me together you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me my companions have become darkness that's the end the literal last word of the psalm is darkness my friendships my friends is basically utter darkness The lyrics to this psalm remind me more of the lyrics to Metallica's One than something you might expect to hear in a worship service, because that's the first thing I want to acknowledge. What were the psalms written for? The psalms were written to be sung by God's people as they gathered together, whether in the temple or whether in homes or whatever it was. And still today, that is the purpose of the psalm. It is God's songbook. Can you imagine <laughs> gathering together to sing these words? I mean, it's so foreign to so much of what modern worship emphasizes. Modern worship tends to have a tune that's almost always upbeat and uplifting and something that we can clap our hands to. And that's all fine and good. That's, there's, a, there's a part of that. But my fear is with that expression being so dominant in our modern forms of worship that I don't know that we have room for words like this, and yet the reality is, these words are true. There is seasons in our lives where we are going to feel, well, we're going to feel like him and the Ezraite, whoever he is. There may be times where we feel we're crying out to God for help, and He is nowhere to be found. I can't help but think of C.S. Lewis's little book, A Grief Observed, in which. He talks about the, the, the period of mourning he went through after the death of his wife, Joy. He had married late in life, uh, really never expected to marry, was a bachelor for, for most of his life, and yet met this woman, fell in deep love with her, and soon after, she died of cancer. Of course, when they got married, there was no indication that that would take, the, uh, take place, and it devastated Lewis. And if you read that little book, you're going to notice that Lewis sometimes throughout this sounds a lot like this psalmist. He doesn't see any pathway out of the darkness. He doesn't see any way that God could possibly redeem this death of his wife. I want to say this to you. It's okay to express those feelings. It's okay to acknowledge If you're feeling like you can't even get out of the pit, or you're feeling like God is ignoring you, it's okay to voice those things. God can handle it. If he couldn't, he would not have divinely included this psalm in his word. If there was any psalm that he wouldn't want in his word, you would think it would be this one in which In fact, the psalmist blames him. Your wrath is sweeping over me. I'm calling out to you and you're ignoring me. And yet God, God knows we are but flesh and he allows us to express ourselves because here's the deal, folks. God would rather have the honest real you than some sort of plastic painted on version that you're going to try and present to him as being more pious than you really are. So I I just want to say up front, those two things, first of all, recognize this is an aspect of worship too it is no less worship to read this psalm than it is to read psalm 119 about the glory of the word or psalm 139 that tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made it is no less worship to read about the triumphs of god's people or to read about the times where we're in despair it is worship remember that and secondly remember it's okay to voice To voice this to your God. He'd rather have the real you than the fake pretend pious you. I know, I know we in the church and us pastors are guilty of it too often present a shiny polished version of the Christian faith that makes everybody when they come together just smile and say everything's fine. I know and I think that there's a problem there. Granted, Sunday mornings, it's very hard to just, you don't have that much time to kind of express how you're really doing and all the struggles you have. It's tough on Sunday mornings, but I do think this is the value of small groups. I do think this is the value of having close friends within the Christian faith. I do think we need to be able to have a space where we can say the things that are really on our mind if they're really troubling us, just like the psalmist does here. And then the last thing I want to emphasize and then I'll let you go for the day because I don't want <laughs> I don't want you to just end up on a downer even though I think there's times where it needs to be there and needs to be allowed to just sit there I do want to emphasize none of the words of this psalm indicate unbelief in fact folks this is a cry of faith what does he say right out of the beginning oh lord god of my salvation he recognizes who his god is and he recognizes that god is his savior and yet that doesn't stop him from expressing what he's really feeling don't let it stop you either he's the god who can handle all of it and it's not unbelief to come to him with your complaints and your laments and your struggles and lay them upon him what does jesus actually invite you to do graciously Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Give it all to him. If you're feeling like, even if it's, even if you know intellectually it's not true, if you're feeling like his wrath is heavy upon you, as this psalmist feels it, say it. Doesn't matter if it's theologically inaccurate at the time or not. Say it. Get it out to him. Lay it on him. He can handle it. If your God can handle a cross, if your God can indeed handle what Jesus handles, being forsaken at the cross, taking upon himself the sin of the entire world and the misery of the entire world and the distress of the entire world, then good gracious Christian, he can handle your lament. He can handle your struggle. Don't be afraid to give it to him. In whatever way it comes out, whether it comes out as a groan, whether it comes out as a yell, whether it comes out as a shaken fist, whatever it is, go ahead. You're allowed. And finally, I do want to emphasize something that I think is, well, a stunning reversal and an answer to the question that the psalmist has. In verse 10, he asks this question rhetorically as if the answer is, in fact, negative. He says this, Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon or your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? It's a clearly rhetorical series of questions. Why would you let me die? Why would you let this struggle come upon me? You're wondering, I mean, do you really work there, God? And the answer, the answer, the pinnacle of the narrative is yes, yes, yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, God's doing his most glorious work at the moment of greatest darkness in human history. When his very own son is hanging on the cross, that is where God is accomplishing his greatest feat. But no one upon no one at the time would have guessed it, even his own disciples. They all fled, fearful that it was all over. But God was doing his greatest work of redemption. Yes, God does do wonders for the dead. God does de- uh, allow the departed to rise up to praise Him. And yes, His steadfast love is declared in the grave because his steadfast love has defeated the grave. So yes, there may be times where you you can't see that in front of your face, and you're wondering if any of it's true. Bring it to him. It's okay. It's OK the God who rose Jesus from the dead and ascended him to the right hand of his throne, the God who did that will do the same thing for you because he's faithful, even when we are faithless. So I hope that going over this psalm of lament, this lack of a happy ending, actually shows you how faithful your God is I hope you go into this weekend filled with his presence, with his strength, with his confidence to face whatever comes before you. And I look forward to seeing you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for our one service in person. God's richest blessings to you. Bye.